This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. I would like to introduce this message by telling you a story. It's not a very pleasant story, but one which comes from the heart of the Old Testament. We've all heard the parable of the Good Samaritan, the one who befriended the poor traveler who fell among thieves. This man was from Samaria, a region in central Palestine. Samaria was also known as the name of a city located in the region of Samaria, somewhat like New York City is a city in the state of New York. The city of Samaria fell in 721 BC to the armies of Sargon II, the Syrian foe. When the siege of Samaria was at its worst, the city was tightly shut up for three long years. The city had been under attack and there was great famine abroad in the city. This famine was so great and the hunger of the people was so bitter that the head of an unclean and forbidden feast, the donkey, was said to be, have been sold for 80 pieces of silver, or around $50. You can read about this in 2 Kings chapter 6. In order to encourage the people of the city to endure hardship and resist the Syrian foe, their king, Jehoram, walked along the walls of the city. As he made his rounds one day, he heard the cry of a woman, Help, my lord, O king. Then the good king answered, What ails you? Literally, what aileth thee? Second Kings 6, verse 28. Then the woman answered with this horrible story. She had made a bargain with another woman that they would eat their sons on succeeding days. She had kept her part of the bargain, and with the other mother she had killed, and they had eaten her own child. But now on the next day, when the pangs of hunger had died down, that second mother had come to herself, and realized she realized the horrible things that had happened, and so she hid her son. It's so difficult for us to conceive of such a thing as this, but such actually happened also at the fall of Jerusalem. Jeremiah had prophesied that the people of Jerusalem would eat their own sons and daughters, and it really happened. You can read about this if you'd like in Jeremiah chapter 19. There's another illustration of this horrible event. A survivor of Andersonville, the Confederate prison in Georgia, related how hunger gradually stripped from the starving prisoners all their principles of honor and decency. He related that two men who had been bosom buddies and close friends during the war, and also now friends in this terrible prison conditions, lay side by side, growing weaker with each passing day. Each man was eagerly waiting for the other to die so that he might seize the handful of beans and bread that was intended for the other. Impatient, the one whose strength was greater, choked 
to death his close friend, only to die himself within a few minutes. Now, let's return to the story of King Jehoram, who is talking with that woman who asked for his help. The Bible tells us that the king was so astonished at her story that he rent his clothes, verse 30. This was a custom that people had back in those days to signify great stress or intense emotions. As the king tore his clothes, those who stood about him were surprised to see that the king had sackcloth within, under his fine purple robes. Until that moment, they had seen only the finery of the dress of a king. But now they saw upon the king's flesh the coarse brown rags of sackcloth, somewhat like burlap as we would think of it today. Now this horrible story from 2 Kings chapter 6 has some truths for us today. I think one which obviously stands out is this. Every person has invisible burdens. Who would ever have thought that the great king Jehoram would be wearing sackcloth on his flesh? Don't you know he must have made a striking impression on the people as he boldly walked around the walls of his ill-fated city? Oh, how they must have looked up to him, the king, attired in his robes of splendor, but walking among the common people. Little did he know, little did they know, that he was wearing sackcloth within. <coughs> Clarence McCartney says that in distributing her garments, life gives a few, few yards of sackcloth to every person. Longfellow said this, Believe me, every man has his secret sorrows, which the world knows not. And oftentimes we call a person cold when he is only sad. If every man's internal care were written on his brow, how many would our pity share who have our envy now? The famous, the great, the notable, the learned, the rich, all these are common objects of envy to many people. But this is because we're not able to see the sackcloth within, which does not show outwardly to everyone. If you want to cure yourself of envy of other people, just stand and watch and see when some wind of life blows the outer garments aside, that so often there is sackcloth within. As much as we criticize our public officials, and perhaps rightly so in many instances, yet I think that there are few who do not wear some kind of sackcloth within. Biographies often reveal those periods of inner turmoil in people in high position who really are wearing sackcloth, which is unseen by the public. The poet has said, if we knew the cares and trials, knew the efforts all in vain, and the bitter disappointment, understood the loss and gain, would the grim eternal roughness seem, I wonder, just the same? Should we help where now we hinder? Should we pity where we blame? Could we but draw back the curtains that surround each other's lives, 
see the naked heart and spirit, know what spur the action gives. Often we should find it better, purer than we judged we should. We should love each other better if we only understood. Some years ago, a man who was employed by the American Bible Society was traveling from New York to Pittsburgh by train. In the dining car, he sat down with three other men who were strangers to him. After a little while, he asked the waiter, who seemed to be new and a bit nervous on the job, if he might have a glass of water. After a long time, when it was not brought to him, he asked for the glass of water again. One of the other men at the table said, I have an idea. Let's each put up a dollar and guess how many times we'll have to ask before we get a glass of water. And the winner gets all. The man with the American Bible Society replied, Well, I'm a minister and I don't believe in gambling, so I can't go along with you gentlemen. He asked the waiter seven times for water before the waiter finally brought it. Finally, just as the four men were about to leave the table, the waiter came up to them and apologized for his poor service. The one who was the minister said to him, I suppose a new man does have a time getting used to serving on a moving train. But the waiter responded by saying, Well, thanks, but I'm not really a new employee. I've been doing this work for years, but just before our train left New York, I received a phone call telling me that our 14-year-old daughter had just been killed by a car. This man had continued the trip on the train because two other waiters had failed to report for duty, and the officials promised to send him back just as soon as the train reached Pittsburgh. The four men who had been impatient and annoyed at the poor service the waiter had given them were now very much ashamed and humbled. Sackcloth within. When King Jehoram rent or tore his clothes, he showed that he had in his heart a spirit of penitence. He bowed in submission. God was allowing his people to suffer this famine because of their own misdeeds. The nation had gone astray and had not followed God. Yet all the while, the king had hidden the spirit from the public. When the people saw the king's sackcloth within, no doubt this had a great effect on everybody. When a person comes to a complete humbling of self before God, it's a natural desire to make an expression of this condition. This doesn't have to be some grand display in public for show. But the time comes when even those who are closest about us will find out that there's a change in our hearts. Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. When we come to God in this kind of spirit, we come not in the rags of our own self-righteousness, but we come with a robe which has been washed whiter by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Let me share with you in closing the words of a, a story which a friend shared with me some time ago. Just up the road from my home is a field in which are two horses. From a distance, each horse looks like every other horse. But if you stop your car or are walking by, you'll notice something quite amazing. Looking into the eyes of one horse will let you know that that horse is blind. His owner has chosen not to have him put down, but he has made a good home for that horse. This alone is amazing. If nearby and listening, you ever hear the sound of a little bell, looking around for the source of that sound, you will see that it comes from a smaller horse in that same field. Attached to her halter is a small bell. That bell lets her blind friend know where she is so she can follow her. As you stand and watch these two horses, two friends, you'll see how one is always checking on the blind one so that he'll listen for her bell and then walk slowly to where she is, trusting that she'll not lead him astray. When she returns to the shelter of the barn each evening, she stops occasionally and looks back making sure her friend is not far behind to hear her bell. Like the owner of these two horses, God does not throw us away just because we're not perfect or because we have problems or challenges. God watches over us and even brings others into our lives to help us when we're in need. Sometimes you and I are all like that blind horse being guided by the little ringing bell of those whom God places in our lives. Other times we might be the guide horse, helping others to see. Good friends are like this. You don't always see them, but you know they're always there. Of course, the greatest friend we could ever have is our Heavenly Father. We sing sometimes that song, what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to Him in prayer. Let's pray together right now. Oh God, thank you so much for the fact that we can know that you're right there. And there are times when other people all around us don't know the trials and the problems and the heartaches that we may be suffering. It is like King Jehoram, we have sackcloth within. There are others around us, O oh God, who also are suffering and we never see their pain. So help us always to be kind and loving as Jesus was to everybody. And may we do it in his name. Amen.